This is the Sports Business Radio Roadshow, presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment from the Sports Business Journal's Game Changers Conference in New York City. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, it's the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. We will bring you conversations with Aaron Kane, VP of Women's Sports for XL Sports Management, and Sam Rappaport, Senior Director, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the NFL. The conversations were recorded in New York City at the Sports Business Journal Game Changers Conference, honoring top women executives in sports. Kane, one of the leading sports agents for women athletes, discusses XL's recent signing of women's college basketball star Caitlin Clark and the growing women's sports landscape. Rappaport shares her story of going from football player to leading the NFL's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts and becoming a trusted advisor for NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Rappaport was named to People Magazine's 25 Women Changing the World list. Also, congratulations to Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment Sandra L. Richards on being named a game changer by the Sports Business Journal, a well-deserved honor for our friend. I want to remind our listeners about Money in the Making, the new digital financial education program aimed at helping young athletes, entertainers, and emerging talent in the sports and entertainment industry build and manage wealth. Learn more about the financial literacy program by visiting etrade.com backslash GSE Money in the Making. That's etrade.com backslash GSE money in the making. It was great to be in New York City and around 600 of the top women executives in sports were at the Game Changers Conference. Congratulations to all the Game Changers. Thanks to Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment for bringing us to New York City for this roadshow to highlight women in sports, financial literacy, and athlete CEOs. Griggs, it was great to be back in New York City. It had been a while for us and, uh, you know, just great to be around so many influential people in the sports business industry. Yeah, I agree. It was uh, great energy, just an awesome group of women there. You could just tell they were all excited and you could just feel the energy in the, in the rooms that we were in. So yeah, that was really exciting. New York's always fun. I mean, we do it up well. It's uh, talk about energy. That's, that city is just always flowing. There's just a passion. You can just feel the energy of business and all the stuff going on there. So it was fun to be back. And we even got to go by Morgan Stanley headquarters in New York City, in Times Square. So that was a lot of fun. Griggs, thanks to you for all your hard work on this show. Enjoy these insightful conversations. Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash G-S-E. 
Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I'm now joined by Aaron Kane, the Vice President of Women's Sports at Excel. Aaron, it's nice to see you. It's been a while. Thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Nice to see you too. Thanks for having me. Okay, we have to start off with like big, big, <laughs> big news. Probably my favorite uh, woman's athlete right now is Caitlin Clark, the star basketball player at Iowa. And you and Excel have signed Caitlin Clark. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. We're, I can't even put into words how excited we are to be working with her. She's just incredible to watch, electrifying, um, brings, I mean, I was in the arena last year, Final Four and the National Championship game, and you could look around and see the audience that she's brought to women's basketball. And I mean, just could not be more pleased to be part of that and on her team. I mean, we've seen just in the last couple of months, there was a minor league baseball game with a line around the block to get her autograph. And then we saw 55,000 fans at Iowa's football stadium to watch her play basketball. I mean, she's literally a transcendent player. A hundred percent. Completely, completely transcended the sport already. But just, I mean, I think for me, what I love about her and I think probably what a lot of people love about her is she's like a hooper's hooper. She loves the sport. She loves the game. She loves basketball. Um, She does a lot of incredible things in in her community. Um, She's just, you know, she's a change, a game changer herself. So we're, um, we're just, like I said, thrilled to be on her team working on her business. You've been a sports agent for a long time. You identify talent. How do you tell when someone has the it fact? I mean, is it really a secret? I feel like when someone has the it factor, everybody knows. Okay. <laughs> it's not a special skill to to be able to pick that out. So, um, and especially in Caitlin's case, that's why she's bringing, you know, the, the fans that she's bringing to the game. Yeah. I mean, I think she's going to inject so much energy into the WNBA, not that they don't already have some great players. I know you work with some of those players like Alina Deladon, but... She really is. She's different. When I watch her, I, I think of someone like Steph Curry, just someone who, when you look at her, you go, wait a minute, I haven't seen that before. Absolutely. I mean, again, everybody she everybody can see how special she is. And I think it's one of the things that's already made her great. I mean, I love, um, she's part of this, or leading, uh, catalyzing really this movement, um, the popularity of the women's college game. Um and I, you know, it excites me because her audience will come with her. It'll grow with her. It'll um, come into the WNBA with her. I mean, it's just part of the overall trend of really when being at the back of women's sports mm-hmm. and kind of the, the growth and the change and the acceptance and the audience growth. And it's such a fun time. I mean, you said I have been doing this for a long time. And um, I'm not trying to make you sound old, but, but you're, okay. you're an OG. I'll wear it. <laughs> I'll wear it. But uh You know, it's just been so amazing, really, since just in the last few years. I mean, I just listened to Jess Berman speak, and I I think about her experience recently. You know, with um, the new Boston NWSL team with an all women's ownership group, and just the the level of um, the way things have elevated, the level of buy in, the the belief. I it's so exciting. I mean, there's no other word for it. I just, I feel like I've been waiting and working really, really, really a long time. Yeah. 
to be in this moment. And um, it's joyful to see a lot of it start to come to fruition. So do you feel like the moment has kind of arrived? Like the investment, the media coverage, like it's all starting to come together? Starting to coalesce. There's so much interest from brands. There's so much interest from media partners. You're seeing record-breaking attendance, record-breaking meteorite steals. I mean, there's the indicators are there. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what is what feels so exciting about it is is the enthusiasm. It's the the fans, the audience, the attendance, the um, the engagement around it is just like it's so fun. Yeah, I don't, you know, and that's what sports is supposed to be. It's entertaining. It's fun. Yeah. So um, having kind of broader recognition of that for women's sports is just yeah. feels amazing. How important is it that? men seem to be buying into this more like i watched the uh wnba finals and you see tom brady and lebron and you know some very prominent men that are there kind of saying hey this has arrived we're here to watch it like you know people have told me as host of this show for a long time like it helps when men are also putting the spotlight on women's sports i totally agree i mean men's sports is not just for men Right. You know, women follow men's sports. Um, women's sports is not just for women. Exactly. It, you're limiting your audience. And I think, um, you know, by virtue of the fact that men's sports have like, in some cases, a hundred year head start on women's professional sports, uh, it helps to have the athletes that have been built up by that say like, no, 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 this has our stamp of approval. This is really good. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've brought people, like sometimes I joke, it feels like hand-to-hand combat. Like I'll just bring one person to a game and they're like, oh, this is good. Like over the years. I mean, this is happens yeah. less frequently now than it used to. And or they're really excited and enthusiastic about the quality of the play, the level of the play. And I'm like, yes, 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 please, please tell your friends. <laughs> um, but it is the the first people that have always recognized that have been the male colleagues, essentially, of the the women who are competing this way. I mean, these are their sisters in many cases. They're their college friends from the athletic department at whatever university that right. they went to. They see firsthand, which many people don't, the work that these athletes have put into developing themselves over the course of their career. And I think they also have had a front row seat to the um, how much more of a sacrifice it is. Because, for instance, for you know, for many many years, if we want to talk about the WNBA with the way the salaries were like you read these stories about LeBron being able to invest a million dollars or whatever it is into his body in his off season with like a personal chef and a masseuse and a shorter right. and all these things like that might have been like 10x the annual salary of a W player so how do you then spend your off season making sure your body is good so you can put the best product on the court the following season and i think nobody understands that better than another athlete and so you know, in the W, Kobe wearing that orange hoodie mm-hmm. um, and attending so many games, not just W games, but like UConn games um, with his daughter. Like that that was a pivotal kind of cultural moment. And we've seen so many more of those since then. And and I love it every time. Like just send the message. Women's sports is for everyone. I mean, yeah. it's the same way men's sports is. Yeah. Um, athletes, CEOs, I interview a lot of them on this show. We've had Candace Parker and Sue Bird and Maria Sharapova and Abby Wambach. It used to be, um, you know, hey, smile and hold up your Nike shoes. Now you're getting 
offered equity in these deals. You're someone who works closely with your clients, like Caitlin. Um, just the financial literacy education that's taking place and and helping them, you know, have that seat at the table where they're getting offered equity and things like that. How do you do that with your clients? It's certainly much more part of the conversation than it than it used to be. Um, but I think the most important thing, I mean, my job is to be an agent. My job is to know the sport, the on-court, the marketing piece of it, like the strictly kind of traditional brand deals. I think it's important for every athlete to have the right team around them. And and when it comes to equity partnerships and, and things like that, I mean, I know a little, which is just about enough to be dangerous. Um, and so I think it's incredibly important to have a financial advisor that's like very well versed in or has someone at their firm or whatever that's very well versed in those kind of deals and partnerships to be able to break it down and evaluate and say like, these are your realistic or unrealistic expectations right. of what this is going to look like. Um, and it's also, you know, it's down to what that, what the priorities of that, you know, that player are. Um, and everybody has a different set of priorities, different level of risk aversion. And so um, that's usually where I kind of exist is like, what do you want your sponsorship portfolio to look like? What's important to you? And that often, or mo in most cases, evolves also over the course of a career. So it's a mm -hmm. constantly shifting. We'll talk about you personally for a second. So you are a former sports business journal game changer. You got into this business um, when women's sports wasn't what it is today, and you saw the opportunity and the path. What did you see there that others weren't seeing? Did you just have this belief that it was going to grow into what it's grown into now? But you, you kind of saw around the corner before others did. I wish. <laughs> I wish I was that uh, good at predicting things. Really, <laughs> the... Um, from first of all, in the same way that men's sports are for everyone and women's sports are for everyone, I think coming into the business, I worked in men's sports. I mean, with majority male athletes as a first as like a client service manager and then kind of growing from there. I started working with Jenny Finch very early on, which was like my first connection to women's sports. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna, it wasn't so much predicting that this would be a success. It was more like I'm so indignant that these women don't have the same resources that we are throwing at men. <laughs> right. That I want to take what I'm learning in in men's sports and like where the bar should be and what the things we should be asking for are. And I want to apply that over here because I think it's important um, just from a fairness mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I still, I mean, I, I am vice president of women's sports at Excel, but I still, it's not like I don't touch any of the men's business at the company or anything like that. And it's still, it's very well integrated there, I would say. So sharply dividing is not, it's not really a great expression of like what my experience has been, but working in women's sports is like a huge passion point for me and something honestly that felt more like a calling <laughs> rather than a prediction of the success. Although I always believed in these women and I believed in like how extraordinary they were. And I was just waiting for other people to arrive at that conclusion. Yeah. The other thing I'm going to give you a lot of credit for is you're in a relationship and trust based business. 
people of Caitlin Clark and Elena Deladon's ilk don't just hire anyone to work with them. How do you build relationships and trust with hard to build relationship and trust people? Well, I think I always talk about athlete agent relationships like this. I mean, in some ways, like dating, every athlete is not for every agent. Every agent is not for every athlete. Sometimes it just doesn't work and it doesn't work out. Um, And in the recruiting process, that's where you're sort of figuring out, like, do you fit? And I, I think from my perspective, I've always just tried to be somebody that operates from a place of integrity and um, almost like a ruthless honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to over communicate. I want people to understand what's happening and um, and I want to do my best. Like I will. No one's going to outwork me. Um, and. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that comes across and I feel like that's why. And, and honestly, with Caitlin. I'm part of a team. I mean, Alan Zucker, Kate, uh, Colleen Garrity, we we have a team around her. And um, and I think we all work really well together. And I, I work with, I mean, you know, I remember recruiting Arike Ogumbawale and Nafisa Collier in the same year, same draft class. And they had some history together. And I thought, oh, my gosh. But I just love both of them. I love how they play. I love what they're about. I um, thought they had so much, like, incredible potential. And they have. I mean, they've got the professional accolades to back that up um but there's nothing quite as nerve-wracking as like recruiting and being like are you gonna pick me (laughs) especially before nil when you were waiting in the w like you had to wait till the very last second their last game was over and then draft is like a week later so that was the old days and it was uh nerve-wracking we'll just leave it at that yeah i bet basketball and soccer the nwsl the wnba growing exponentially where should we expect other areas of growth in women's sports i i think you see it everywhere i mean here are the places i would like to see it i think the popularity of the women's college softball game is extraordinary and the fact that there's not a professional like a substantive viable professional league to follow that is Mm -hmm. a huge miss and a great opportunity for the right people, people's organization, whatever, to come in and um, create something. Um, So I would love to see growth there. I also think, I mean, we can't leave the LPGA out. There's like such an exciting group of young players. And, you know, we underestimate how global that sport is all the time. I mean, it truly is like a much more global tour than the the PGA tour. Um, So those are, you know, and then you've got these crazy fans of Olympic athletes who... You know, they're showing up for the athletes when they're in college and NIL and and then that extends into the the Olympic year. So we work with like Bella Sims, who's a young swimmer that I'm can't wait to see. She won she won a silver as a teenager in high school. Wow. In the last Olympics. Like I can never wrap my head around that when I think about what I was doing as a teenager. Um and the, the level of sport I was competing at, which was like nothing, you know. So exciting. Last question. Just social media and its growth. I mean, again, I look at someone like Caitlin who uses social media so brilliantly. Um, and some of the the best NIL athletes are women and they're doing a great job with activating their partners and, and sponsorships. How much is that something that you work with your clients on? Hey, look, 
this is a way for people to get to know you off the court or off the field and also a great way to activate your your partners. Well, again, being so student, nobody's busier than student athletes. Correct. I mean, between class and their job of playing a sport, um, both of which are full-time endeavors independently of each other. And then to add influencer into that, I think is, I mean, it's an extraordinary ask. Like I said, every, every client we work with is a little bit different. Right. Um, so we work with them as much as they want guidance and input and feel drawn to doing that. Some people love it and it's not stressful for them. It's like an outlet and a release. Right. And others are like, I just, it's one thing too many. And we say, okay. I mean, I think the danger, like it's a very easy metric. It's a very easy way to justify spend for, for brands and for brand partners. But I don't, I don't, athletes are not influencers. I mean, in, in the sense of the influencer world, they, they influence things and they can be influencers, but they are athletes. You're getting so much more when you partner with them. And so I'm, what I'm really excited to see is like, and I also relatively knew at the beginning, it was all social media driven or felt like that. Um, especially on the women's side, and now seeing these more substantial um, traditional partnerships that include television commercials or include other kind of media extensions beyond social media is is exciting. That's great. Erin Kane, thank you so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Continued success to you. Congrats on signing Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you. Good to see you too. There's nothing common about you. Now your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I am happy to be joined by Sam Rappaport, NFL Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Brian. So we're here at the Game Changers Conference. Uh, What are your thoughts so far on the conference? And there's so many amazing people that are here being honored as Game Changers, yourself included. I think it's incredible to see the sheer number of women that play in this space, right? People think of sports as male dominated. And then you walk into a room like this and you see women at all levels, right? Entry level up to the CEO, C-suite level. And you just get re-energized that it's possible to create more equity and more balance in sports so we can all get better. And I think I spoke to many women who are sitting and listening and meeting other people. And I think resoundingly just seeing that sisterhood, that camaraderie is, is empowering and something that will drive us forward. What are we doing better now to empower women working in sports? 
I think we're seeing more women in more senior roles now than we ever have before. And what happens is they send the elevator down to other, not just other women, to other marginalized folks who may have not been in that seat before. And so I think when you consider the entire population, you get the best people. Uh, and that's in, within every demographic. And so I think what we're seeing now is more elevator sending. And for people that might not be your traditional looking leader that we all think of when we hear the word leader and just people who can push sports forward and push it to where we know we, it, we need it to be. I love that term, sending the elevator down. I think that's really great. It's important. And I think we all need to do that to change the way we all know sports needs to change, right? We need to progress at a faster rate. And if if you look at other industries, we aren't progressing as fast as other industries. And so if you get people who think differently, who can think, I hate the term outside the box, it's too overused, but if you can think outside the box differently, not the way things have been and not do things because they've been done that way for a hundred years, that's when the ingenuity starts to chime in and that's when things start to change. And I think when you get different leaders of all demographics, right, not just women, you get better and you raise the bar. Let's talk about your path. Um, We were just talking before we started recording, like you started at the NFL when you were younger and you were an intern and, uh, you know, you've worked your way up and you've seen a lot of change during that time, especially at the NFL Talk about that journey a little bit. Sure. So I went to school in Canada and in my third year of college, I applied for an internship at the NFL and I I didn't know anyone. I was this woman living in Canada with no connections. And so, and I played tackle football um, for many years as a quarterback. So I decided to send a football with my resume to the NFL headquarters. And on the football, I sent a picture of me in my full tackle football gear. And on the football, I wrote, what other quarterback could accurately deliver a ball 386 miles, which was the distance between Montreal and the NFL league office. And, you know, it's gimmicky and I cringe now even when I talk about it. But the truth is, is that it, it, it allowed me to stand out. I think they saw how badly I wanted it. And, you know, I got my first internship in 2003 and I've been working in football ever since 22 seasons. This is my 22nd season. I love that story. We've had a lot of people on this show and they've talked about like, what have they done to stand out to try and get the attention of the people they're trying to get the job from? And, and that's brilliant. Good job. Thanks, Brian. I, the one thing I really wanted to get across to them is I will do anything yeah. to get this job. And I think if you if you hire people on the edge of their seat like that, they're going to do whatever it takes once they're in the seat. And I wanted them to believe in me in that way. And they hired me into a creative marketing role. It was the only, it was like the last internship available. Uh, I think I was like the last person to get accepted. And I had no idea what that even meant. I barely do now, but I was going to be the best creative marketing intern they'd ever seen. I certainly tried to be, I don't know if I was, but that's kind of been my attitude ever since is just approach that even if you don't understand them or if you don't know them, just try to be the the best person that that bot that manager has ever seen. I think it's an important lesson too for people who want to work in sports. There's a lot of people that want to work in sports. You do have to stand out and you do have to show that you have a passion and that you'll do whatever it takes even if it's, you know, starting as an intern to get your foot in the door. I used to work for the Trailblazers in Portland and I started as an intern. I made $500 a month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I packed all my belongings in Los Angeles and moved to Portland. And they're like, wow, this guy's really all in. He, he's doing this for $500 a month. And it sounds like, you know, you moved all the way from Canada 
to get this job and and look at what you're doing all these years later. And interestingly, I had the exact same salary as you when I started. <laughs> and I lived in Manhattan in a uh, like the shared residency where we shared kitchens and bathrooms with like 20 plus people. It was the only thing I could afford on that salary. It was literally um, not doable, but I was going to find a way. And I think that the one thing I find really interesting about sports is a lot of people who work in sports for a long time will tell you, oh, it's really hard to get in. Uh, it's really difficult. You got. I actually have a really different perspective than other people. I actually don't think it's it's that hard to get in. And I think that getting in is in your control. I really believe that. Mm. I believe that when you first start in sports, like 95% of you getting hired is who you are and you can control that. It's how proactive are you? How resourceful are you? How much do you want it? Right? Mm -hmm. How, how much, how much can you pay attention to detail? How, how proactive can you be to look ahead uh, at problems that may happen and solve those for your manager? And I think those are all things within your control that you can learn and it's very personality based. And so I think if you practice those, when I talk to younger people in college, if you practice those and hone those skills, I actually don't think it's as hard as people make it out to be. I think you can get in, but you have to have that skill set. Those three things is those proactivity, the resourcefulness, and the attitude. Those three things, you'll make it in sports. Great advice. Uh, I've had some executives on lately, and the pandemic changed a lot of things. One, uh, people work hybrid or remote more often. Um, and, you know, sports entertainment is really kind of an in-person job for the most part. So you have to be willing to do that. But then- you know, you oversee uh, DE&I and that's changed too. It's, uh, you know, from people I talk to, it seems to be moving in the right direction. We still have a long way to go, but from where you sit, how are we doing with diversity, equity, and inclusion? So I've had the privilege of sitting at the NFL for 22 years and I've seen where we were and where we are now. Right. And about three years ago or so, we hired our chief diversity officer. His name's Jonathan Bean one of the best managers I've ever worked for in my life. Uh, and really, um, I don't want to call him a genius because he'll tell me I shouldn't use that word, but I really think he's such a forward thinker in this space that I've seen the league progress so much quicker since he's been in. And it's changed from, you know, DEI should just be embedded in everything we do. And, you know, every league says that, but it, he turned it into strategy and pragmatic strategy that can move us forward. And while, you know, we're wildly... Uh, susceptible to criticism in this country and we're, and that's something that we're very used to. Mm -hmm. He know he leads us and he knows that we have stuck to what we believe in from a strategic perspective and and quite frankly what Commissioner Goodell requires of us and that you have to be intentional strategic with it otherwise it won't happen. And so that's that's the biggest change I've seen in the last 3 or 4 years is it has turned to an actual strategy that people can move forward at, at the top. From, it came from that it went from there from it should just be embedded in everything we do, which it doesn't happen naturally. Without giving away trade secrets, we have a lot of people who work for leagues and for teams and for brands listening to this. What's the recipe? What's the strategy that helps create that pipeline and you find the right balance of DE&I? I think part of what I've been most proud to witness as it pertains to exactly what you said, kind of the secret sauce, mm -hmm. a lot of marginalized people who are... Uh, scholars in in this work will tell you that policy is their love language. And policy isn't sexy, right? It's not a program. It's not an SVJ game changer, right? right? It's not sexy. But, you know, Daisha Smith, our chief admin officer, and Jonathan Mean, our, our chief diversity officer, Commissioner Goodell, and a lot of us have looked at the unsexy policies that 
hold people back without knowing, right? Anti-tampering policies, uh, when head coaches uh, or potential head coaches can interview for jobs. Mm -hmm. And we've looked at everything. And over the past three years, we've made amendments to all of these rules that they're not in place to hold people back, but they do. And so if you don't look at them and change them, nothing will change. And so what we've seen is the product of that, right? We they started a program called the Accelerator Program, which is meant to put marginalized folks in rooms with our owners. And in its first year of existence, Rand Carthon was at that program. He met the owner of the Tennessee Titans, and he, she, and the owner um, mentioned that had that program not existed, she never would have been in touch with him. Hmm. And so it really is. It's a, if if you're intentional with it, change happens. Yeah. How are we doing with uh, the growth of women's sports? I mean, again, we're here at Game Changers. We're, we're seeing it showcased today. Um, but I still think we have a ways to go. It seems like there's more investment. There's more media exposure. But how are we doing overall? I think we've seen incredible progress in the past couple of years, more than I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, specifically with soccer and basketball, uh, you know, women's soccer players, uh, women's basketball players, when basketball players have been at the forefront of this work for so long, I need to shout them out. Uh, they really have been the, the, the heroes of this. But um, what we're seeing is people understanding the value of it now. And as we continue to do that, we have to double and triple down and we need people in power at the networks to put it on air when people can see it. Because if we can see it, then we can enjoy it. And if we can enjoy it, we become fans. If you can't see it, you cannot become a fan of it. Yeah. People aren't going to go to the depths of the internet to find women's soccer. It needs to be where... I don't know, bowling is on ESPN, right? Like, <laughs> and it needs to be where, honestly, where the NFL and the NBA and everyone right. else is because pe people, not just young girls, people, young boys, all young kids want to watch this. They want to become fans. Soccer is one of the most popular sports from a participatory standpoint in this, in this country, mm -hmm. uh, but not from a viewership standpoint. And so uh, I'm, I'm, bi I'm hugely, I'm big, I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, helping to move that forward in whatever way I can. Yeah. I know for the NFL, there's been a lot of effort made in the last decade at targeting women to get them to watch NFL games and to buy merchandise. And um, a lot of times women are key decision makers in the household, especially with the kids. How is that effort going? Because again, everyone I've talked to, it seems like that's trending the right direction. Definitely. I think in the past, not just the NFL, I think all leagues, they used to other women when they were right. marketing towards yeah. them. And so it would be, you know, old school, it was like pink aprons and, you know, um, and, but even not so old school, it was like bedazzled jerseys or a pink version of Lamar Jackson jersey or what have you. And I'm not saying that some people don't want to wear that. What I'm saying is if you other any group of people, mm -hmm. they feel left out, even though you're trying to include them. Right. And so the strategy has been respect the fan, the, the fan avidity of women by not creating a male-centered, focused anything yeah. and making it focused to all genders. And so it's not about giving us pretty jerseys or like events for women. You know, I laud the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm very close with their owner, Darcy Glazer Kasowitz. And she, one of the things she keeps saying is like, we're not doing a women's anything. We're doing an all fans everything because these women know the sport as well as the men do. And if you cater to everyone, then you truly feel included organically. We don't want a women's section of an NFL stadium. You know what I mean? Right. We want to be, to be understood for the fans that we are. 
Now, the one thing I'll say is, is I haven't had anyone on from the NFL in the last month or so. Taylor Swift has brought some fans to the NFL, men and women, but probably more women. Um, but I've been really interested in the fact that the NFL on the social media channels, Taylor's version, like the NFL has embraced yeah, it's Taylor Swift's interest in the NFL. It's awesome. I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, I'm so happy. To me, any way you can bring in other fans to this amazing game, right? This it, Obviously, I'm biased, but to me, this sport connects the country in a way that no other does. It connects people that disagree politically. It connects people to their family members. I even get goosebumps when I say this because it really does. connects people to their family members. It gives them something to talk about with people that they might not have anything to talk about, right? And I think that's so critically important. And so I want other people to feel that in this country. And so if Taylor can bring her Swifties over and they can start to learn this amazing game and also feel included in this amazing game. I am all for it. And not just Taylor Swift. I'd love to see, I mean, Beyonce's married, so we're not going there, but I'd love to see <laughs> Beyonce's fans. I'd love to see, you know, Janet Jackson's fans. I'd love to see everyone's fans come because I think when you feel a part of this sport, it's pretty powerful in for many ways in your life, not just because the sport's amazing, because of how it can connect you to other people. Yeah. Just a couple of minutes left. So, Women in football. I mean, you've been a big part of this movement. You said earlier you played. Um, flag football has been a big initiative for the NFL to get girls and, and women playing flag football. Maybe you could talk about that for a little bit. Absolutely, because it's been a momentous week for mm -hmm. flag football, certainly. Yeah. It was just announced that it was uh, entered into the LA Olympics yeah. where uh, girl, women and men will be playing in the yep. Olympics in football. I can't even believe I'm saying that sentence because I grew up playing flag football as a kid my whole life. I, I played it for like 30-something years. And, you know, I, I played it knowing that there was no end game. I'm just playing it for the fun, right? Whereas boys that play flag and tackle when they're growing up, they know what the end game is, possibly if they were really good. And I felt like I was pretty good when I was young. And so I, I don't think I would have made the Olympic team, but I would think I would have had a shot maybe, backup, backup quarterback. Um, but, you know, like the fact that these young girls and boys now have a North Star in the sport, it, it, uh, it is so critically important to the advancement of the sport and for their dreams to continue to play. So we have certainly done a lot of work. Some people in our office have done an amazing job working to get flag football into the Olympics. And I mean, how cool is that going to be to see some of our NFL players and also a lot of our female players that no one knows, but they are as talented as the NFL players. The yeah. world's going to start to see and know girls and women in football. I love the fact that there have been some players vocal about really wanting to participate in flag football in the LA 2028 Olympics. That's that's great. Yeah, they see their counterparts in the NBA doing it. Why can't they do it too, right? Yeah. They want the gold medal. So, uh, you know, it's it's just for me personally, it is so phenomenal for the girls and women's side because girls and women have been playing this sport a lot longer than people think. And the level of play is so incredible that Franco Harris, a Pittsburgh Steeler, he saw it once and he co-bought the team, the women's tackle team in Pittsburgh. And he, he went up until he passed away. He was involved it up to then because his mind was blown at the level that women play. Yeah. People have preconceived notions about girls and women in football. And then you watch it and you're like, holy S. Yeah. No kidding. All right. This is Sports Business Radio. So I'm going to ask you about financial education and financial literacy. Uh, more and more athletes are being educated on the importance of that. Um, we've got NIL deals taking place. How do you see that evolving? 
Yeah, I think it's so important, for, certainly for our players, but also for, you know, what I'm the closest with is for women that are working in football and have never really come in contact with anyone who can help them in this space. And so I, I actually was fortunate enough to meet uh, through Women Leaders, a sport that I've worked with, Women Leaders in Sports, excuse me, a, an organization I've worked with for a long time. I was introduced to some folks at Morgan Stanley and I had some talks with them and they started to explain f- uh, my financial and, and, and others in a way that I kind of never looked, I, I was never explained things in that way before. And then I found out that they are responsible for, you know, a lot of the women who are working in sports. Um, I'm not going to say their names because I don't know if I'm allowed, but some big names, women in sports. So I started to introduce them to more and more women because I said, you know, for the first time, I mean, I think I'm a, a relatively intelligent person, but I didn't like being spoken to in a way where it was like acronyms and words I don't understand. Right. And, and Morgan Stanley was just so incredible that they just came in and they explained things in a way that really made sense. They actually like completely changed my family's life financially. And so I, I'm kind of their biggest fan uh, because I, I introduced them to many of the women coaches and others that are working in the NFL for them to learn that too. And that's kind of the area that I'm the closest with right. is women's financial literacy and helping them gain control of that. So they have their own control of their money their whole lives. Right. I mean, that's got to be empowering. And, and, you know, I've had Maria Sharapova and Sue Bird and Candace Parker and Abby Wambach on the show. And not only are they being brought into investments, they're being offered equity. Like there's a bigger seat at the table than there's ever been before. But you need that financial literacy and education behind you to be able to make good decisions. No question. Sandra Richards, who's a co-game changer of mine, yes. who's here today. She, I think she is, not to overuse the word, but a true game changer in this space. And I think she's the reason that you're seeing a lot of this these changes and these gain, gaining in momentum of women being in control of their and athletes being in control of their finances. And so I, I, I think, you know, all kudos go to Sandra and her team because it's pretty impressive what she's doing over there. Okay. Last question. When you played, I need a scouting report. Give me, give me the scouting report on Sam. Okay. Rappaport. Here are my strengths and weaknesses. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm five, five, so I can't see over the line too well. So you can <laughs> imagine I was definitely a running quarterback. Uh, we had a lot of option plays. Uh, so I was not a pocket passer whatsoever, honestly, cause I couldn't see. Um, so I was quick. I had a pretty decent arm, not a long range arm, but I was pretty accurate um, and I think my strength was leading a team. Like, I think I, I can get them to believe. Um, my weaknesses, whew, height was a big weakness. I think the long distance throw, I think I could probably throw like 45 yards at my best. I never it's pretty could. Good. It's, it's okay, but other quarterbacks, other women quarterbacks could throw way farther. Um, and my footwork was not great. I, I, I'm like still, perf- I'm not playing anymore, but I'm still trying to perfect my drops. When I played, my drops were kind of, meh, they weren't great. Do you think there's a day where we'll see a woman play in the NFL? I think that it's not our goal. Right. You know, I think that's that's super important. And I, I think WM, WNBA players hear this all the time of could a WNBA player right. play in the NBA? Sure. And my, it's not our goal to play with men. It's our goal to have a league of our own. And it's a goal to for us to get paid to play against each other. Um, and so that really, if we see one, I know Carly Lloyd wanted to kick, I think for the Ravens or the right. Eagles one year, right. uh, it would be phenomenal. And I, I'd be the biggest, you know, I'd be cheering her on like no one else. But I think for us, it's not the end game because it's not, it's not a sustainable way for women to play football. A sustainable way is for us to have a league of our own where we're paid and we don't need to work uh, a full-time job and also play. We're playing as our full-time job. And I, I had the incredible fortune of meeting Billie Jean King and she nailed that into me. Is if, if, as, if you don't get women playing the game for money, you're not advancing. And so I've had that in the back of my head for a long time. 
Do you think in the next 10 years that's a possibility that we could see a women's pro sports NFL or football league of I some do. sort? I do. I've wow. seen the NFL's commitment to, I don't know if it's flag or tackle. Yeah. I hope it's both. Yeah. But I've seen the NFL's commitment to flag and also just to women. And, and you know, we have a lot of people who are, who are asking questions about women's tackle football now in a way that they haven't. And so I don't think it's out of the realm for 10 years for us to have women starting to play professionally. That would be amazing. Uh, it'd be the best day of my life. Sam Rappaport, congrats on being a game changer. And thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Thanks, Brian. It was a pleasure. Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, I'm joined by Eileen Silverglad. She is the CRO for the Sports Business Journal. Eileen, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Thank you, Brian. So this is a great event, Game Changers. Uh, I think we have 600 amazing people that are at this event. Why did Sports Business Journal really want to kind of carve out this crowd to have at this event? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, Brian. So Game Changers has been around for over a decade now and really has been one of the anchor awards and conferences for Sports Business Journal. And it started a long, long time ago is because, as you can imagine, in what was a very traditionally male-dominated industry, there really became an imperative to ensure that we were you know, doing everything we could do editorially to bring awareness to the women who are making change and really performing at very high levels in sports business. So it really began as... Um, you know, a focus on the honorees. There was a normal application process, nominations, and of course, then the celebration. And over time, what we realized is that we needed to have a conversation in more of a traditional conference format that allowed us to go deep on not just issues of women's sports, really not at all. That came much later. We really wanted to make sure we were hearing from the women of sports business who were doing incredible things. And today's a great day because you have not only the great panel discussions, but you've got great networking and people who usually uh, see each other virtually are able to come together in person. So uh, I've just been so impressed by everything that you have going on. And, and people even get headshots taken today. I've seen a huge line for the women getting their headshots taken. That's a nice little yeah. added bonus. It is. If you look at my LinkedIn profile, I got a headshot at our event last year. So even I took advantage of it. But, you know, of course, we run surveys like every business, right? And we got very clear feedback over time that what the women wanted who attend our conference and the game changers themselves who win our awards is that they wanted more networking time. They wanted to not just give back to younger women in the industry, but frankly, they wanted to get deals done. And so, and they wanted to get deals done with women. 
So we really have actually shifted the formatting a little bit to ensure there's far more time to have networking and even very purposeful networking. So give us an example. What are some of the things you do to kind of uh, jumpstart that networking? Yes. So number one, we're getting more time for our game changers to be together. So it is a big honor to be elected to this class of 50. And what we found is that sometimes they actually don't know each other. So if you can hear the racket in the background, you'll see that everyone is convening to have a special networking time for the game changers to get their pictures before we have the big ceremony here in just 40 minutes or so. And then in another room, what we've done is we have a new offering called the Game Changers Connect. That's something that folks can sign up for. They're sitting at small round tables. They're talking through the conversations they've heard throughout the day. And they're making sure that they're really taking those learnings and embedding them in their workflow. As a result, through that process, they're meeting new people and hopefully getting some deals done or maybe that next job. Yeah, I think there's a lot of mentorship that comes from this as well. Um, I like the fact that there's obviously the senior executives, but then, you know, there's those up and comers as well that are able to get that mentorship. Yeah. What I've loved today is seeing everyone from all stages of their career come up to me, come up to other senior women in the industry and just say, all right, I'm interested in this. Who do you know? And that's the type of interaction that we're really looking for here is that this is an incredibly safe place for people that may not be comfortable walking into an audience of 650 people. But by having an event like this, it's okay to shake somebody's hand and say, yeah, I kind of want a job in, in sponsorship marketing. Who do you know here? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys do a lot of great events year round. Is the best place to find out about your event, sportsbusinessjournal.com, and click on the events tab? It sure is. Yep. We are fully locked and loaded for 2024, which is a big lift for us. You don't care. No one cares about our logistics. But let me tell you something. It is hard to make sure that worldwide we are lining up our calendar with between 16 and 20 events all around the globe and to ensure that folks can attend the right ones for them. So we are absolutely thrilled that we are as far ahead as we've ever been in terms of events being contracted. So as executives and business leaders are planning their budgets for next year, they can get way ahead of it and they can actually mark their calendars and prepare to send their staff where they need to. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say after a few years of not seeing people in person, it's so nice to come to an event like this and and see lots of people turning up in person. There's no question about it, Brian. And really what we found and heard loud and clear through the pandemic is that you can maintain relationships, but your chances of developing new business over Teams and Zoom, it's it's a goose egg. You know, it is so difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So what we saw is really our events business just surging out of the pandemic because this was the chance. We were the first entity out to bring the industry back together. And so it was just the chance to say, gosh, we got to grow again. You know, we've all shrunk. We've all been in this like fight or flight mode for so long. We got to get out there and start developing new business. Well, congratulations on a great event today. Thank um, you. I've met a lot of interesting people. We've talked to some on this podcast and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. It was a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for being here today. Thanks, Eileen. There's nothing common about you. Not your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. 
I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.